Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I'm going to read from uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 today and uh, really enjoyed the worship. Uh, I've got, it's a simple message today. I, I don't know why, but just, uh, um, I've been trying to think of something catchy, but uh, when, I'm, when I've been thinking, I just keep going back to this. Uh, um, it's kind of a convicting thought and a simple thought too, is just some, with, with myself about uh, the message that we're, we're sending to people, uh, what do we really believe? Do we really believe that there's power in the name of Jesus like we were just singing about? Do we really believe in the power of the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel? And so I'm going to talk to you today about uh, being effective. And so in Second uh, Kings chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold, now the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, and each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, Go. Then one said, Please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I shall go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. He said, Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and took it. Father, we just thank you for your word, God. We just ask your blessing upon this message and your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So being effective, this, um, this passage of Scripture is actually probably pretty familiar to uh, most of us in here. And uh, I can remember um, growing up in Sunday school uh, having lessons on this and, um, you know, about the axe head floating and, and uh, thinking that was pretty cool, not really understanding a whole lot about it, but just, just about the, the miracle that took place uh, with Elisha here. So uh, but my plan for this message with talking about being effective is to, uh, is to take this scripture and kind of draw a comparison between this passage and the church today and us as believers uh, as the church. And uh, if you look at this passage, you don't have to look far to see a resemblance to the church. And uh, the comparisons that I'm making, they're, they're not all bad. Uh, in fact, they're just, they're just honest. Um, but... Uh, in verses 1 and 2, the comparison is actually really good. And what we see here is that the sons of the prophets, they have a desire to enlarge. And uh, that's a good thing. Verse 2 says, Please let us go to the Jordan, and each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. 
So they wanted to go enlarge. And they had, uh, and think about this in terms of a church. So they had a passion to enlarge. They had a plan to get it done. And they had a purpose for each and every person to be involved in the plan. Man, that is just like a church's dream right there. A passion to enlarge, a plan to get it done, and a purpose for every person to, to, be, to be involved. And I think that's where a lot of churches uh, are at. Now, there are, there are some churches out there that are just completely satisfied with the way things are. Um, but for the most part, I would say the majority of churches, no matter uh, how big or how small uh, they may be, they have a desire to enlarge. They have a desire to uh, reach more people, to um, uh, uh, serve more people and minister to more people and be more effective and do more for the kingdom. And that's a good thing. Those are great desires uh, to have. And it's what the church has been uh, trying to do and doing for years and years and years, generations. A lot of work, uh, a lot of effort, a lot of money has been put forth by the church to make things like this happen, to keep enlarging, to keep reaching more people. And then that brings us to verse 5. And now here, one of the sons of the prophets, he's trying to uh, cut down a tree, and the axe head flies off of the axe that he's using, and it lands in the water. And so the axe head is the man's power. It represents his effectiveness. It represents his ability to actually uh, carry out the purpose that he had in this plan that they had to, to en enlarge. And so this is what can happen to churches if we're not careful and has already happened to uh, many churches across our country and across uh, the world. But what I want you to notice is notice uh, when he lost the axe head, when he lost his power, when he lost his effectiveness. He didn't lose it while he was being lazy at home. He didn't lose it by, being, uh, by not being committed, by not showing up. He didn't lose it by doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. He didn't lose it uh, because he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. He lost it while he was working. He lost it while he was fulfilling his purpose. He lost it while he was busy doing a good work. And there, are, have, been, there have been many churches and many people of God that have lost their effectiveness at a time where it seemed like they were working on all the right things. Maybe it's happened to you. Maybe you've experienced a season uh, like that. You know, sometimes things just happen. Sometimes we just go through some stuff. Sometimes things just fall apart. Sometimes it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just a season. And so this man, he's lost his axe head, and, and he didn't just say, well, maybe if I just work a little harder, it'll be okay. Maybe if I just keep swinging this stick, everything, no one will notice, and it, it'll be all right. He didn't just keep going through the motions. He stopped immediately, and he went to the master. He appealed to Elisha and told him what was, what was going on. And that's what we have to do. We have to be honest with ourselves. See, when a church has lost its, its effectiveness, preaching louder is not going to make it any better. A lot of people have been trying that. Um, singing faster songs won't make it any better. Trying to work it up, hype it up, draw it out, whatever, whatever word you have for it, it's not going to change anything if you've lost the power, if you've lost your effectiveness, and you've lost your ability to actually carry out the purpose that God has for you. This man knew that he was no longer effective without the axe head, so he went to the master and told him. See, that's how it should be with us. We should just go to the master. And he also told him it was borrowed. He said, alas, my master, for it was borrowed. All that we have is God's anyways. 
You're not going to accomplish anything on your own that's worthwhile. If you accomplish anything amazing, it's going to be because God helped you do it. It was God's power working uh, within you. And if the church wants to get back its effectiveness, then we need to do just like this man and go to the, to the master. Trying to figure out a new program or procedure is not going to help. And, and I know that the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance, but there, there are a lot of ministries and a lot of people today that are being successful just off of gifting, but not off of really being effective. And see, it really doesn't matter. You can get a lot of people to follow you. That doesn't mean you're effective. That doesn't mean you're carrying out the purpose that God has for your life just because a lot of people like to follow you. And I'm not against there being a lot of people having a lot of people following them. I'm all for it. But I want us to be effective and, and actually do what God's called us to do. We need to quit trying to just fake it till we make it and start being honest with ourselves and, and honest with God. And if we're not honest with God about the state that we're in, then how can we expect to get our effectiveness back? How can we expect to have the breakthrough that we talk about wanting if we don't actually admit what that breakthrough is? In John chapter 21, verse 3, it says this. It says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find they cast therefore, and they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now here, if the church wants to be effective, then we're going to have to be honest with ourselves and God. What if the disciples, when Jesus asked if they had any meat, they just said, hey, we're good. Oh, we had a pretty good night. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Thanks for asking. We'll be okay. See, if they would have done that, if they would have answered that way, they would have not have received the miracle. But because they were honest with Jesus, because they told the truth, they were in the right position to receive from Him. See, we have to stop lying and calling it faith in the church. We have to stop speaking lies and calling it speaking life. There's a difference. You can be honest and still speak in faith. You can be honest and still speak, uh, speak life. And uh, I'm not talking about telling someone all your business so they can go gossip about you. But if somebody asks you how it's going and everything's going bad, it's okay to say, I'm going through some stuff. Why don't you just pray for me? You don't have to give them all the details. But see, a lot of people won't do that. And uh, it happens a lot with preachers. You ask them, how, how are things going at the church? Oh, God's blessing. Um, oh, um, uh, the Lord's really been good to us. Well, yeah, the Lord has been. No matter what you're going through, the Lord has been good to you. And no matter what you're going through, yes, God has been blessing because He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But what's wrong with telling the truth? They're just saying, oh, everything's good. Everything's great. And you walk away and you're like, well, I'm just glad that the Lord's blessing that, that church or that pastor or whatever. Meanwhile, the church can barely pay their bills. The pastor's about to have a nervous breakdown. His marriage is on the rocks. Everything's going bad. And no one even knows about it. No one has a clue. And just maybe if that person would have felt free enough to tell the truth and be honest and ask you to just pray for them, maybe you could have went before the master like the servant did going to Elisha. Just maybe breakthrough would have been on the way. Maybe effectiveness in that church would have been restored or in that minister's life or that believer's life, whoever it is. 
But see, if the church wants to be effective again, then we have to get back to the basics of loving God and loving people. Not just carrying out procedures, not just trying to implement uh, programs to get numbers up, but to actually care about people. And um, that's kind of what's been on my heart a little bit for the past couple of days, uh, thinking about that, is that, is that uh, I really believe, when you think back to the, some of the things that the church did uh, years ago, generations ago, whatever, uh, however far back you want to go. And I'm not someone who wants to go back to the old ways of things. That's not, that's not me. I believe we should honor that. I believe we should respect that. But I, I believe God has something for us today. But at the same time, when you look back over the way ministry was done, say 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they did a lot of stuff wrong. If you were part of the church back then, they did a lot of crazy stuff wrong, but they were still effective. You know, now we're supposedly have all this information and have everything figured out and we, got all, we have all the answers, but where's our effectiveness? They did all kind of stuff wrong. I wouldn't even think of doing some of the stuff that some of them did back when I was growing up, different things that they would do to people in altar calls and things like that. But the thing about it was, even though they did a lot of things wrong, they had a genuine love for God and a love for people. They had a concern for people, people receiving Christ, people growing in God, people making a difference in the kingdom. It wasn't just a selfish ambition. It wasn't some kind of just, uh, just trying to get influence or, or uh, anything like that. It was, it was different. So even though they did a lot of stuff wrong, they still were effective. We don't have to be perfect. But our motivation has to be a motivation of love because if not, all we're going to try to do is control people. And people don't want that. They get enough of that every day of their lives. I was reading a book several years back, and I, th I think this book was written in the 40s, if I'm not mistaken. And it had a story of a lumberjack in it. So, you, you know, it's a pretty long time ago. But uh, this lumberjack, he married the woman of his dreams. And, and uh, unfortunately, right after they got married, he developed a drinking problem. And so when his drinking got worse, he ended up uh, beating up his wife. And the first couple times this happened, he got, he, when he saw her the next day, he was furious, wanting to know who had laid a hand on his wife because he was going to kill him just to find out that it was him. And so you can imagine the guilt and shame that goes along with that that just fed the drinking problem and things just kept getting worse. And so they had a, uh, there was a Christian couple that didn't live far away from them that had been witnessing to them and tried to, to show them the love of God, and they just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so uh, about 10 years goes by, and the relationship had just gotten worse and worse. And so finally this lady had had enough of this big guy hitting on her. And so <clears throat> she developed a plan. And in this plan, he comes in one Friday night from drinking, and she's just feeding him more drinks. And she's just talking sweet to him and giving him another drink and giving him another, another drink and telling him to have another one and another one. And she just keeps feeding him drinks until he passes out across the bed drunk, stone cold drunk. And, you know, she checks him to make sure he's not going to wake up. And then she goes to phase two where she wraps the sheets around him and duct tapes him in these sheets like a mummy. He can't get out. And now she goes to phase three where she goes and retrieves a two by four that she's got waiting on this guy. And uh, she's, she's hammered a couple nails through it that are sticking out about a quarter of an inch, and she just starts wailing on her husband. And uh, so she beats him until she's just out of breath. Ten, she's giving him 10 years of beatings. 
And uh, he don't know who's doing it, so he's screaming that he's going to kill whoever it is when he gets out. But she beats him till she's tired of beating him, and she just leaves. And she goes to the one place that she knows he'll never think to look for. And she goes and knocks on that Christian couple's door and asks, can she come in and tells them what she's done to this guy. And they let her come in, and they're talking to her and begin to minister to her. And over the next couple of days, they lead her to the Lord. And so uh, she goes to church with them that Sunday, and while she's there, uh, uh, they have a, a great altar service, and she goes down, and God just like totally changes her life. And uh, she experiences the love of the Father like never before, and, and uh, she feels in her spirit that she's supposed to go back home to this guy. And so she tells them, and they, you know, are you sure? And she says, yes. She goes back to this man, and uh, she doesn't say a word about the beating she gave him, and he doesn't say a word about it. She just comes in, and she starts being really sweet to him. And uh, so after a few days, it's the weekend again, and it's Sunday, and she says, uh, Honey, why don't we go to church this morning? And he says, I'm not going to church. And so she says, Okay, that'll be fine. And she's still real sweet, and she says, Well, I think I still would like to go. Would you mind dropping me off at the church this morning? And he says, I'm not taking you anywhere. If you want to go to church, you can walk. So she says, that'll be fine. I think I'll go for a walk then. So she walks to church. And uh, when she finally gets there, she's there and they have another great service. She goes down to the front again and during the altar service. And she's just, she's just crying because God has given her a heart for this guy that she just beat within an inch of his life a few weeks earlier. And she's praying and she's saying, God, just please change my husband's life. Let him experience your love the way I did, Lord. Let him see how amazing you are and how much you care for him and all this stuff. And, and when she finishes praying, she hears her husband's voice and he tells her, he says, your prayers have been answered. And so she turns around and sees him standing in the altar behind her and she says, how long have you been here? And he said, not, not that long, but long enough to hear your prayer. And he said, uh, as soon as you left the house, something told me that I should have gone with you to church and that I should have at least given you a ride to church. But he said, I didn't want to hear it, so I sat down to watch TV. And wouldn't you know it, since it's Sunday morning, there was a preacher on TV. And uh, he said, I began to listen to him. And something inside of me started to change, and I just had to come to church. And he said, I just want you to know something. He said, that beating you gave me the other week, he said, that didn't even faze me. He said, I can take the beating. The beating's not a problem at all. He said, but I couldn't take those prayers. And she says, what do you mean? You never heard me pray for you. He said, I know I never heard you pray for me, but I could feel every single one of them. You see, that's the difference in being effective and just giving somebody a bunch of rules. People are beat all week long. They're beat at home, at the job, at school, life in general. And then unfortunately... Because the church has lost its effectiveness and the axe head seems to be gone, we're just still swinging that stick every Sunday when they come to service. And so for 30 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on how, guy, how long the guy likes to run his mouth that's up front, they get beat every Sunday over and over again. But it's not going to make a difference. They can take the beating, but they won't be able to resist the effectiveness of someone who actually loves God and loves people. And is doing what God's called them to do. This world's hurting. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. There's a lot of people that, that I mean, you think just because if you get up here and you, 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 know, you tell someone how sorry they are that they haven't already heard that all week. Life, their past, whatever, hasn't already told them that. 
They need something different. They need to know how much God cares about them. They need to know that there's a Savior. They need to know that there's one who can fix it all. It's probably a little over 15 years ago. This is way before I ever even thought about being a preacher. Um, I was doing exterminating work. And my cousin, myself, and a friend of mine, we were at this horrible house in Gray's Creek, this old house. It was kind of uh, run down. Termites were eating it up bad. And we were there trying to help them out. And uh, my friend, he operates in the gifts of the Spirit. And God will give him words of knowledge a lot of times. And uh, he would just ha we'd just be at work, and he'd get a word of knowledge for somebody and just give it to them, and they would just break and tell him all kind of stuff, personal stuff. And I mean, I've seen it happen over and over. And, uh, but what I did notice about him is that if there was a really, really hard job that was going to take a lot of work, God seemed to always give him a word of knowledge to somebody so he could go talk to them while I was doing the work. So it pays to operate the gifts of the Spirit sometimes I, because uh, I'm under a house and he's in there running his mouth because God gave him a word and I, I guess I was too hard-headed to, hard to hear it. But uh, so we're there and I'm walking by and I'm thinking, here he goes again. That sorry rascal's trying to get out of work because this, this I mean, this house was bad. And uh, me and my cousin, we're kind of bad-mouthing him out there. It's like, here he goes again. But I walk by and he says, hey, Aaron, come in here a minute. We need to pray for this lady. And uh, I didn't really want to pray for her. I didn't like praying for people. I, you know, I was nervous. You know, I, I did those good whisper prayers where you can't even, you know, hardly hear them. It just, I got uncomfortable. So I go in the house and uh, he's like, she's telling me a little bit about her story. You got to hear this. And so her husband, he was in a hospital bed in the living room. He wasn't that old, but he couldn't get out of the bed. I'm not sure what was wrong with him. And uh, there was two kids in the house, about seven and nine, eight and ten, something like that. And then there was a guy there that was in his mid-twenties. Mid and she says, I just don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I don't, know, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I don't know where to turn. I, don't know, I just don't know what to do. I need help. And uh, she said, my husband's bedridden. She said, my son's worthless. That was the 20-some-year-old in there. And uh, she said, and I just got my grandkids uh, a couple of months ago, and I don't know what to do with them. And uh, she said, my, I have another son, and she said, he's in another state. said, he got married, and he married this lady, and uh, they, they didn't work out, and so he just left town. And he said, she said, we haven't seen our grandkids in forever because they just stayed with her and none of us knew it, but she developed a horrible drug problem. And uh, so she said that, that I guess social services had contacted her a couple months earlier and, and uh, she had found out how bad a shape the kids were in. So she goes and gets the kids. She said, I go and I get my kids, uh, my grandkids, and the kids wouldn't talk to me. I had tried to talk to them two or three times while I was walking by them because this was like the summertime. And they were out of school. And uh, they just looked really scared. And she said, uh, when I go to pick them up, I find out that she's been prostituting them out for drugs. And so she said, they're skinny and they're dirty. And I, I get them home and I don't know what to do with them. And she said, so the first thing I just know to do is I got to clean these kids up. And my heart's breaking. And she said, and, uh, she said so I, I took my grandson and and she said, I uh, ran the bath water. And she said, when I took all of his clothes off, all I could do was cry because he was bruised all over his body. 
He was covered in bruises, especially from the waist down. And uh, she said, and my granddaughter, she said, I couldn't brush her hair for two weeks. And uh, well, she said, uh, if I pull out a hairbrush, she would take off running. And <clears throat> she said, it took me a couple of days to figure it out, but it took me two weeks to get her to let me brush her hair because from all she can remember for the past however many years this had been going on is that the only time her mom ever brushed her hair was when she was getting ready to prostitute her out. So she was going to associate getting her hair brushed with some strangers getting ready to hurt me. And she said it took me two weeks to get my granddaughter to let me brush her hair and for her to just understand that all I wanted to do was love on her and take care of her and that nobody would ever hurt them again. And she said, and now they're in counseling and I've got this going on and I don't know what to do and I don't have any help and I don't know where to turn and I just need, I just need God to do something for me. And so we started uh, praying for her. And we prayed for her for a while and then I just told him, I said, hey, you just hang out in here. We'll take care. I went and got back under the house and started working and we just left him inside, and he ministered to him for a pretty, pretty long while, talking with him and praying with him and everything. And the point's just, you know, we don't even have a clue what people are going through. And there are a lot of people out there that they've been through things that no one should have to go through. Whether it's their fault or someone else's fault, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change what they're going through. And the church is, has got to get its effectiveness back. We have to do more than just, we need to give people the word of God, but we're going to have to believe it when we give it to them. We can't just give people a couple of memory verses and then walk out the door and think everything's okay. We have to believe what we're telling them. We have to, we have to believe in the God that we're telling them about, the Jesus, the Savior that we're, we're talking to them about. The church has got to do a better job. And I know that that story is horrible and that, that it, and, and you, you see other people and you might think, oh, well, that, you know, they're going, what they've gone through is nothing. Why can't they just let it go? Well, it, it really doesn't matter how bad the story is or not. It's all about what, where people are at in the healing process. Uh, Heather and I took a class, one of our ministry classes, and they were talking about trauma. And they said that when something happens to you, that every time you relive it in your mind, your body goes through it again. So basically, if you do me wrong and uh, hurt my feelings, then if I think about it 20 times over that next week, by the time the week's over with, my body hasn't been done wrong once. It's been done wrong 21 times. And so that's why you see people and you're like, man, it's been 20 years. Why can't they let it go? Why can't they get over it? Well, it's been 20 years, but it's also been happening to them 10 times a day for the past 20 years. Imagine what that does to someone's body, someone's mind, someone's emotions. And we've got people right now that the things of their lives have grown up so thick around them that they're in need of such deliverance. They're in need of such a move of God that we have to have the axe head back if we're going to help them. We have to be effective. It's going to take some chopping with the axe head of, of the love of God to be effective in people's lives. It's not going to be, it's not going to, a program's not going to do it. Uh, a fancy catchphrase or saying's not going to do it. Even a big smile's not going to do it. It's going to take the genuine love of God in our lives. This world is in bad shape. They're hurting bad. That, that, that story, as horrible as it was, probably everybody in here knows someone who's been through something similar. 
We're all probably even related to someone who's been through something, something similar. This world needs us to be effective again. Now, I know that when a person gets saved that God can deliver them. He can set them free from all bitterness, all unforgiveness, um, all the pain of the stuff that they've been through. He can give them complete understanding of what they've been through, why they went through it, and how it's going to be used and all that. But for most of us, it's a process. And it can be a long process. And you don't always make all the right decisions during that process. Sometimes there's setbacks. And the church has not been doing too good of a job helping those types of people and those types of issues. I wish I had all the answers. I don't. But I know that it starts with loving God and loving people. You see, if the church would be more effective, then maybe this country wouldn't have all the drug abuse problems that we have going on right now. There's a lot of self-medicating that takes place that we just blame it on someone's bad decisions. It's just, you, we just have no clue what people have been through. And many churches have been so ineffective now for so long that we've forgotten the importance and the power of the message that we, that we have to carry and we have to share with those in need. We've forgotten the importance of telling people of who our God is and not just where we go to church or who our preacher is or how good our praise team is or our, or our kids' church or whatever. We forget to even tell them about God. We forget to even tell them about Jesus. It happened with Jonah. He ran instead of doing what God told him to do because he could not grasp the power and the importance of the message that God was wanting him to carry. But the question is, have, have we grasped it? Have I grasped it this morning, how important the message is that I carry? That each and every one of us as believers, the message of the gospel, how powerful it is. And each one of you are carriers of that message. Jonah ran. He got on a ship. Storm's about to destroy him. The men are asking what's going on. And he says, I'm a Hebrew. I, fe I fear the, the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And so the men say, well, what do we need to do to you so that the sea can be good to us? What's our next move? See, just by Jonah telling them who his God was, something that he thought was not a big deal, everything changed. They were ready to do whatever it took to get things right with God. I'm afraid that many times in the church, and, I, and we can all uh, evaluate our own lives, that we've forgotten how big a deal it is just to tell someone who our God is. Just to, just to tell someone who our allegiance is to, what kingdom we're part of, who it is that we serve. See, they realized that this wasn't just any old God that Jonah served, but this was the God. And whatever they had believed up to this point was now completely changed because of this revelation of who God was. And the same thing happened in Nineveh when he got there. The people responded immediate, and the, the response was powerful to the message. See, in my opinion, yes, the church has lost some of its effectiveness by not being honest with God, by not being honest with other people, and not being honest with ourselves, and by forgetting the power of the message that we have to share. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is healer, provider, deliverer, all those things. See, in many ways, we've become just like Jonah. There's a tempest of sin all around us. This world is crazy. But if we would just begin to tell others about our God and spread the true message of the gospel that He's given us to tell, then we can see the power of God just like Jonah did. We just did it in our declarations today. There is no place that the gifts of the Spirit do not work. The gospel was power and effective in our city, in our families, on our, in our jobs, 
in our homes. Seeing if we would just stop going through the motions and be honest with ourselves and honest with God, then we can be effective again. Doesn't mean we're going to get everything right. 20, 30 years from now, they'll be talking about some of the crazy stuff we did in churches because they're going to have so many more answers than we have. But it's not going to matter if we're not being genuine and effective with loving God and loving people. And I'll admit, now there's some of them out there, they're tough to love. It seems like some of them, it gets tougher every day to love some people. But it doesn't change what we've been called to do. Father, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace, God. Lord, we just give you honor. We just magnify your name. You're so good, God. You're so amazing. Lord, help us not to lose sight of that, Lord. Help us not to... We don't want to lose our effectiveness, God. We want to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we want to have a passion, and Lord, we want to carry out a plan and a purpose, each and every one of us, God. Lord, and to do that, we need your power in our lives. God, help us to have a love for you and a love for our fellow man like never before. Help it to continue to increase as we go after you and do amazing things for the kingdom, God. Lord, I pray for Ray. We pray for healing in his body. Lord, we pray for Donna with this stuff she's going through and every person in here that's still suffering from some of the effects of this, of this bug that's going around, God. And we just pray for comfort for Cora. Lord, we just pray that you would be with her, Lord, and her entire family, God that you would give them peace. And Lord, we pray for Kevin, Lord, is in this new rehab facility, God, that everything will go well, Lord, that you would just give him favor with the people there, Lord. And we pray for traveling mercies for Carl and Barbara, God, that you would be with them this week, Lord, with all that they have going on, Lord. Lord, I just pray for every person in here, God, that we would just begin to look at people and see them the way that you do. Lord, and when we look at people and we see what the, uh, the situations, the way they're acting, instead of being so quick to judge, Lord, help us to uh, operate with a heart of compassion, Lord, trying to find out what it is that they've been through, what it is that we can pray about, what it is they may need help with, God. Lord, there's so many hurting people, so many people have gone through things that no one should go through, God, but you're faithful. God, you have a purpose for each person, Lord, and you have a way to make things right. You have a way to bring healing and a way to bring deliverance, God. And, Lord, we just want to be part of what you're doing. And so, God, we just give you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.